Live from Cool Boys Central. You're the boss down there. I'm boss up here. From bat tips to bat nips, <laughs> we are just cool boys revisiting Batman, the animated series, and wearing hats. <laughs> this is Batman and Beyond, a cool boys podcast. I see Batman and Beyond. Greetings, Cool Boy Nation, and welcome to another installment of Batman and Beyond. Woo-woo! A Cool Boys podcast. I'm Ballard. And I'm Steve. Ugh. So cool. I'm thinking of getting the Blu-ray set. You should. It looks amazing. Yeah, it does. I mean, I, some of the side-by-sides I've seen have been purposely destroying the 480p version because I'm like, I have the 480p version. I'm like, it doesn't look that bad. <laughs> like, whatever you, you're showing me, you're showing me a heavily compressed 480p version mm-hmm. that's, like, ripped off of YouTube. There were some shots, I think, where it was like, oof, it seemed like – it was, like, just not clean. You know, it was, like, a dirty – like, the it was, like, film or something, and it was, like – a dirty cell. So cool. Tonight's episode is Heart of Steel, part one. The episode was directed by Kevin Altieri and written by Brian Stevens or Bryn Stevens. I'm going with Bryn. Bryn? Yeah, Bryn. Bryn Stevens. This episode came out November 16th, 1992. And the villain, of course, is Hardak. Hey, Steve, Wikipedia says several robberies take place at major companies, including (gasps) Wayne Enterprises. And Bruce Wayne, as Batman, discovers the thief to be a mechanical briefcase. Bruce meets with his old friend Carl Rossum an expert in robotics who lost his daughter to a vehicle accident years ago. Spoiler alert, Wikipedia, that comes in episode two. That's a part two spoiler. That's not even in part one. You tell him. You know, I think you should write a letter. I will, to Wikipedia directly. Mm-hmm. He also meets Rossum's assistant, Randa Dwayne, and Rossum's ultimate creation, a prototype AI known as Hardak, which stands for Holographic Analytical Reciprocating Digital Computer. Uh, H-A-R-D-C. So where does that A in Hardak come from, the second A? Well, I had to write it down, and I think it's like uh, the digital is what it's I guessed. It's the digital that, A. That's what I guessed. Yeah, it's the A in digital is the second A in Hardak. It was like the most retarded name ever, I thought. Like, I like the name Hardak because it's got hard in it. but Yeah, it, it, you would. But the... The reach wasn't there, you know, like holographic analytical reciprocating digital computer. Like that's not even what it does. It was making, uh, you know, fake people. Yeah. Shouldn't they go with like replacement or something like that? Like a uh, human analog replacement? Something. Like something like I don't that? Know. It just didn't make a lot of sense. I guess it wasn't doing what it was programmed to do maybe, but holographic analytical, like what, what the F? So it was supposed to analyze holograms. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Holograms <laughs> that are reciprocating. Like these are just Batman big loves words. holograms. These writers love holograms. Remember when uh, during the um, Josiah Wormwood episode I where do. Batman's like hologram when when the the lady that's about to get by the train is just a hologram. I bet that was Hardak's work. You know, because that was a really good hologram. That wasn't easily a normal hologram. 
Carl Rossum sold to Josiah Wormwood some hologram tech. I was wondering about that, and now the pieces are in place and everything is making sense. It finally clicks in, doesn't it? It does. Wikipedia continues. Bruce invites Dwayne to dinner, and around the same time, certain civilians start acting strangely. Most surprisingly is when Dwayne unexpectedly leaves Wayne Manor while Bruce is on the phone, and the entire Batcave turns on Batman. There's a note here, Steve, at the bottom. It says, this episode marks the series debut appearance of Barbara Gordon, but she's not yet Batgirl. All of Barbara's starring appearances were in episodes written by Bryn Stevens. Really? That's an interesting note. Yeah. You know, regarding Barbara Gordon, I thought that uh, this was, like, very interesting to have her included and see her. Like, that. this is basically the beginning of her turning into Batgirl. And, yeah, uh, I would say no. I would say next week's episode is more of that. Well, this this this, this series of episodes, but uh, the two parter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, but I, that's what I. That's how I feel. It's like the origin to the origin episode. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, for this episode, just starting in the beginning of it, the, you know, this this is like a very sort of like sexual episode. I felt like, uh, you know, more so than I f- even feel like the Catwoman episodes. Why? Because there's nudity in them, like, towards the end of this episode? Uh, just in the way that, like, they're, the guards all, like, kind of fascinated with the, ch- the hot chick that drops off the briefcase. and the Even the that, hot female guard? And then the, and then the Bruce is, like, all infatuated with um, Barbara, weirdly. And then also all, like... Yeah, which of, we should get into when Barbara shows up, absolutely. <laughs> and then, like... Uh, He's all and the same thing with the sci- with you know whatever her name is. I forget what what's the scientist what what's the android the the name of the the woman, woman? android Randa Dwayne. Yeah, so whenever you know he's all like creepy with her too. Yeah, but she's fucking hot. I mean, she straight up looks like like Mamie Van Doren or Jane Mansfield or Marilyn Monroe. Like she's got Marilyn Monroe's like beauty mark, but she's got the sex appeal and the sass of Jane Mansfield. <laughs> But, you know, I'm just saying for a kid show, this was definitely like I, – I felt like they were pushing it in, in terms of like – Sexuality. Sexuality or whatnot. Yeah, I, I was like, oh, wow. You know. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean later in this episode, we have Bruce literally taking Dwayne. He's like va-va-va-voom. You know, he takes her and has like a, a, a candlelit fireplace dinner with her. <laughs> like, I mean you only do that if you're going to fuck. He was trying to get some information from her, you know. Only way he yeah. knows how. Fuck him. Mm-hmm. Fuck them first, and they scream all the secrets while they're coming. Um, Steve, something I wanted to point out is that uh, the actress who plays uh, Randa, the voice of Randa, uh-huh. Leslie Eileen Easterbrook. So I did a little bit of research for this episode because I'm really into uh, Terminator, and a couple clues kicked in also about something else about this episode that I did not catch on to when I was a child. So Randa, um, played by, like I said, Leslie Eileen Easterbrook, she also played the character of Rhonda from Laverne and Shirley. I think Randa might be a slight play, you know, like a slight little nod to to the fact that this woman played a, a character on Laverne and Shirley called Rhonda. And I, and I would think Bruce Tim and Paul Dini and everyone else involved, especially Kevin Altieri or even maybe Bryn Stevens, must have watched Laverne and Shirley when they were children. Uh, and, and they found out that she was going to be the voice and threw it in there. 
Well, they, I don't know if they found out she was going to be the voice. Maybe they, they went and got her voice or something like that. I, I'm not really entirely sure. Something I want to point out that we're watching right now on screen is that Bruce, who gets uh, essentially um, shoved to a room by the security because of all the shenanigans going on in, 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 you know, in the Wayne Tower, um, he goes into the security room. They lock the door, and they're like, stay here, Mr. Wayne. Don't go anywhere. And he goes, don't go anywhere. Where the fuck in his Batman voice? Touches the wall. And then the fucking wall, you know, turns so around cool. like a turnstile, and all of a sudden he's like, you know, in some like secret part of the Wayne Tower where he can become Batman. What if? What if one <laughs> security guard's like, oh, dude, I think we're gonna faint, and put his hand on the wall, and then like all of a sudden the wall started moving. Not only would he be like, I am fainting. What the fuck is going on? Like his whole equilibrium would be messed up. But on top of that, he'd be like, what did we just? Fucking fine. Yeah, you know, like, there, it would be like this? Wayne it Towers haunted, or you know, it would be like one of those sort of things. Uh, right. You know, I wanted to point out that briefcase thing, that awesome briefcase robot, super that, awesome, that goes and uh, you know basically has a laser gun, chops down uh, an elevator. Uh, when laser it goes, vision. It has laser vision. When it goes to get the computer chips, it, it like. Probably destroyed those computer chips and it, by it sucking processed. them with a vacuum. Yeah, it just basically it just sucks <laughs> them up and like they're all getting scratched and you know. Steve, I don't, I don't see it. How this is ninety two. This is ninety two. Very few people had a cursory knowledge of computers <laughs> and and computer chips. I I don't think, I don't think people were aware of how brittle. Well, obviously the holographic analytical reciprocating digital computer. Hardak knows a little bit about you know computers. Oh, and another thing I wanted to point out that I just saw is that they really utilize the the bat glider thing in, the, in this oh, episode. Too much so. Oh Steve. yeah. Okay. You know, they so were like, a, a, a few episodes back, uh, we watched <laughs> Eternal Youth, and out of nowhere, it's an episode where Alfred and uh, his girlfriend Maggie go to a, a health spa, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a poison ivy episode, and. We're watching it, Steve, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they cut to Batman just hang gliding, <laughs> right, on the back glider. He's just hang gliding and flying into the fucking resort. And you're kind of like, where did he come from? Now we know! He got the hang glider at the top of Wayne Tower, and then hang glided with the back glider all the way to the resort, where Poison Ivy was, you know, turning people into wood. I think he has hang gliders kind of hidden throughout Stashed. the city. Yeah, I think that's not the only one. They're all around the city. Uh, it's like an easy thing for him. Then he pretends that he's a bat. You know, he has this mm -hmm. weird sort of like uh, cosplay sort of thing going on. He goes Super around. Cosplay. Jumps around. He's like, ah, oh, but did you see how the shadow makes him look like a bat when he's in that hangar? The silhouette. Uh-huh. The silhouette. Yeah. So what we're watching right now is um, Randa Dwayne's character is firing guns out of the back of her car uh, to, you know, try to hit Bruce. And in the process, you know, we get our first Steve-sponsored cliffhanger <laughs> act break where Batman crashes into the shoreline. But one thing I want to point out, Steve, once again, did a little research for this episode. <laughs> so, Randa's license plate reads R-U-R. That is not – this is the first thing that made me want to do research, just so you know. There's no way that is just by chance, right? And it's not, a, it's not an Easter egg for roar. Uh -huh. So I was like, what the fuck is R-U-R? So it stands for a play – called R.U.R. that came out in 1920 by a Czech uh, uh, playwright. Um, I have his name over here. His name is Carol uh, Kapik. Now, I just butchered the fuck out of that name in Czech. And it, the R.U.R. stands for Rossum's Universal Robots, R.U.R. The main character, or, or one of the main characters in this episode is named Rossum, mm -hmm. right? 
So that's obviously, uh, you know, a little wink and a nod to Carl Rossum. And Carl spelled with a K, right? Uh-huh. So that's like super like Eastern European-y, right? So it totally plays the like, you know, Czech like world or whatever. I'm sure anyone in Czech Republic right now is just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, what, Eastern the, European? the author's name was Carl Kepik, right? With a K. Carol, I thought it was pronounced. But yeah, maybe it's Carl. I'm yeah, looking at it sense. right now. I'm looking at the note that... It's K-A-R-E-L. The At least on the Wikipedia entry I'm looking at, it says it's K-A-R-L, just like uh, Carl Kepik and the last Okay, look up the actual R-U-R on Wikipedia. And it says R-U-R is a 1920 science fiction play by a Czech writer, K-A-R-E-L, Kepik. Kapik could be even wrong. We're like arguing. Oh yeah, so it's Carl <laughs> Rossum. Carl, it's all kinds of fucking re- like relevance. So here's what's important though about this play. I didn't know this. I kind of, I guess I had like a tertiary knowledge of this, right? Like a tertiary understanding of this, but I didn't actually know this. So I knew that the the, the word robot did not come naturally and was something that was eventually used in the English language way down the line, you know, in in in, in the process of the world, right? And uh-huh. and, and the in the vernacular of the world. But I didn't know it came from this place. This is the play that created the word robot. Wow. You know, this is a great education moment. I think we need some sound effects. Way, way, way. <laughs> like, so there's also some great uh, like little hints in this episode, Steve, uh-huh. that I like that are very foreshadowing. So we just had Barbara show up, and we'll get into that in a second. Uh-huh. But Gordon, not Barbara Gordon, we're talking about Commissioner James, he flushes a little bit. You can see him blushing. So there's a clue that that's a human being because later they make references to things like when Bruce first comes across Rhonda, he's like, you're, you're so cold, mm-hmm. right? And she's like, oh, I was in the refrigerator. <laughs> and then when, like, you know, uh, Barbara touches her dad later, she's like, dad, you're so cold. You're, like, outside for 10 seconds. Like, why are you so cold, right? There are a lot of little nice nods that Rhonda, you don't know, is actually a robot. Or an android. Like, you don't know that. That is a twist that happens in the second part. I I didn't find it to be a twist. But, yeah, I guess as a kid, as you're saying, it seemed yeah, pretty obvious to me. Well, is that because she's femme fatale? Because she was communicating. This was before they had Bluetooth or whatever. She was, like, oh, she was like yeah, telepathically right. communicating with the hard act, you know. Yeah, inside Bruce Manor. Yeah, That's right. it was, like, pretty obvious Bruce Manor. She was, like, inside Wayne Manor. A, a robot. I, I, you know, uh, they just in the episode right now, Bruce has just arrived at Carl Rossum's place, and it's just so great what they having, you know, the actor from Blade Runner. Um, yeah, William Sanderson. William Sanderson. Steve, also the actor from Deadwood. Oh, for sure. But this is this is playing up the, the his Blade Runner. J. F. Sebastian. Uh huh. It's so fun to see. You know, I, I, you know, I felt like they were definitely doing some parallels uh, with his character from Blade Runner. Uh, For sure, but it was also just having they were just having fun making these weird robots too. I, I like that whole scene when they they have him go in there and he puts his feet on the yep. uh, you know footrest and it, that it starts massaging him or whatnot and everything's automated. Totally, no, you're absolutely you're totally right. Um, one of the things you're like like I, I even noticed about that was that like just like um in Blade Runner, Sebastian in Blade Runner, right? Uh, William Sanderson's character there versus Rossum in Batman, they both have robot toys. And that goes, that's a big deal to Sebastian because they're his only friends. Uh-huh. You know, and, and this Rossum character, Carl Rossum character, is absolutely, to me at least, like, very, like, um, hermited. 
like secluded. Like he's also very much, you know, kind of like an antisocial person as well. Mm-hmm. And so they, yeah, they they definitely share similarities. Uh, you definitely have to think that Bryn Stevens, Bruce Tim, Paul Dini, Kevin Altieri are huge fans of Blade Runner. The difference, though, is that like uh, in Blade Runner, his character was like an idiot, and uh, no, he's an idiot here too. I don't. Th- he's a he's a genius scientist in this. He he's created... a genius scientist in Blade Runner. He's a genetic specialist. Uh, I don't. I think he's. He much like works more... on like uh, the neurology of the replicants of Re- Replicant Six. I think is actually the one he worked on. Uh, I guess I would have to. I felt like he was had some sort of like. Uh... Okay. Okay. So in, in, in Batman, he's probably what he's had a child who's died in a car crash. He's probably forty something, right? Uh-huh. Close to forties. In Blade Runner, he's twenty five. So he's a younger character in that in, in Blade Runner because the whole idea is that he's aging too fast. That's why he couldn't get off world. Mm-hmm. So he is a, he is younger. So you could think of him as more naive in Blade Runner, and it would make sense. But I think they're both supposed to be equally geniuses. Oh, okay, I never thought of him as a smart person in Blade Runner. I think smart people come in all shapes and sizes. Oh, okay. So we glossed over a really important part earlier. Tell me about it. This is the first appearance of Barbara Gordon, as we mentioned in the, in the introduction. And she's in college. Yeah, yeah. And Batman can fuck her. So it doesn't make it super creepy, but absolutely creepy. Nonetheless, when Bruce walks up to her and goes, Barbara, you've grown. And then he walks up to her and then touches her face like he's John Travolta. <laughs> it is the fucking weirdest shit. Like, there's no need for this creepy Bruce Wayne like over touching on Barbara, who's like what at youngest eighteen, at oldest twenty two. Mm-hmm. Well, he was he was happy to see her. Way too happy, <laughs> like the priest in Little Mermaid. He had a huge boner. Oof. Oof. <laughs> Do you appreciate that priest boner? Um, and one of the things we get in this episode again, Steve, is another. Cliffhanger act break. Oh yeah, when Gordon is replaced. I think by that you know when I was watching, Terminator. I thought that they were playing. Sorry to interrupt. That uh, there was that they were building a replacement for Bruce Wayne. And you, yeah, the you, nude the nude character you're watching, yeah, you think that, is Bruce. Totally. Yeah, that they were totally like making you think that Hardak was deciding, as Bruce was there, uh, we need to replace him. Right. Uh, instead, they do Gordon. Uh, which is an interesting choice, and, and uh, that, that's what brings Barbara into the fold, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's a smart, it's a smart move to be able to start establishing Batgirl, which is what this episode does the best, as well as next week's episode, uh, Heart of Steel Part Two, which is maybe a little bit more so a a real origin to the origin of Batgirl. Oh, for but, sure. Um, for sure. The, these are these are both great slow burns to that character this has a lot of people laying in front of fires i just noticed it was starting they had barbara laying in front of a fire and sexy they've had uh, you know that bruce is ending he's having a little you know coffee after dinner uh hot coffee but you know uh, again he just leaves her alone he's just met this lady and he's like, I gotta go. Alfred will see you out or something. Steve, and, Steve. And just leaves. He's Batman. You're obviously just... not incredibly wealthy because <laughs> if you're incredibly wealthy, you have no fear at all about anyone taking anything. It's all replaceable. It just seems – but if you're Batman, I would have those fears that like someone's going to randomly t- pull that one book – 
that makes He doesn't sense. have that fear. In this episode alone, he literally <laughs> made a wall, like a dummy wall, in the security like guard's break room. It is the worst place in the world. The people that closest on your staff that resemble police officers are in the same room as a fucking dummy wall. It's insane. Yeah, he's pretty careless. You know what I like again as another reference that we got we saw, Steve? The place Carl Rossum works is called Cyber Fucking Tron. Ooh. Which is of course Transformers. The home planet of the Transformers, yeah. Yeah. You got the touch. You got the power. I like how she has these x ray yeah! that can see through like pipes or whatever. It's like showing her the whole layout. She finds yeah, the they're like secret. blueprint, like blueprint goggles. Yeah, she finds the secret door, but then she also throws them on the fucking ground as she uh, <laughs> walks in the weird. secret yeah, door. Like, <laughs> she, as she's done with them, eh. well, she's also a robot, right? So she's thinking probably like you know streamlined. Like I don't need these anymore, and I'm just gonna fucking like make it obvious as fuck because I just electrocuted the shit out of Alfred. <laughs> Let's just face it, Alfred's had it coming. The but you know, a monster Alfred comes back later and is just basically I don't he has like no memory of it he doesn't Perfectly remember fine. that he was attacked I was like that, that doesn't make any sense no heart attacks no seizures nothing that old man got electrocuted big time by some like super overpowered taser he just wakes up I don't know what happened he doesn't even say like I got electrocuted or I felt weird or anything mm -hmm. it's pretty weird oh no, is no he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't recall Master Wayne <laughs> yeah it's funny when people get knocked out. Um, I used to work uh, with the UFC, and um, and I would sit ringside. And when people would get knocked out, you would hear them like come to, and they would speak to like you know Big John or Herb Dean or Steve Mazzagatti or Mario Yamasaki, and they would names. be like, "Those are refs." Are those? Um, and oh, they okay. would and they would just be like, "All right, I'm ready to fight," you know, and and you'd be like, they'd be like, "No, no, no, you the fight's over." Or there'd be times where like, "Okay, I'm ready to go to the arena. Let's go to the fight," and they're like, "You're in the arena. You lost the fight." That's, like that's they, so they, crazy. they, people they, when they get knocked out, they do resort back. Like they, yeah. like they have like a time lapse where they don't know a certain right. span of time anymore. All right. I, but I do think it comes back. Like it slowly does return. And then as we finish up the episode here, we we see you know that Bruce clearly fully intended to fuck Randa. I mean, he rushed home to go fuck her. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I guess you could think he was maybe worried about Alfred, but it looked like he was rushing home to go fuck her. When he called the house, no one picked up. He's like, oh, shit, she left. Oh, I better go catch her on the road. You know, let her know I want to fuck her. Um, but I like that Randa and Hardak clearly know Batman's secret identity, and it's the first time in the series where a villain has figured out his secret identity, and, like, it's unadmissibly so. You know what I mean? Like... It's like this is his identity, like this, and we know it, and it's done. Like the greatest thing about it is that they're both digital, and they're both people, right? The hard act being the giant supercomputer, and uh, Randa being an android, that you can easily disperse of them in the next episode, in part two, without it being a big issue. But I love that you end this episode with they know the secret, they can drop that shit any fucking time they want, and and then just spoil the beans, and then you get what, Steve? How does it actually end? Oh, with the Batcave turning against him, turning against Batman, right? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Does he? Do you think he has like that booby trap set up for like other people or something, or that that was something that the robot created that was like gonna go there I don't and know. grab him? And maybe it was like supposed to be like his like uh, robot arms if he needed them to touch something like maybe say like clay. <laughs> that would maybe technically 
you know, renew you. Uh-huh. Maybe it's like that. Maybe they're like they're like uh, laboratory arms or some shit. But they are ridiculous. You don't need arms that are gonna grab you and then lift you a hundred feet in the air. Like that is not necessary. And it was all hacked. <laughs> yep. So yeah. So we got that to be continued sign, Steve. What boys would you give this? I give it four out of five, Steve. I may have tipped my hat earlier on, um, but yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I, I I liked it when it came out, and I like it now. I loved the Terminator, and I love Terminator Two: Judgment Day. I actually saw them in reverse order. I saw Terminator Two first. Me too. I think second. most kids of our age saw Terminator Two. Yeah, because I think T Two is something that parents were more duped into letting kids watch. Yeah. Because the Terminator was like way too clearly like a horror film, R-rated horror sci-fi film. While Terminator 2 Judgment Day was like, hey, get your kids, you know, McDonald's fucking shit. It was PG-13, wasn't it? No, no, they're both are. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, they're both are, yeah. I remember seeing that in the theaters. I was excited. Um, Terminator 2 has Robert Patrick's balls, like, clearly in one of the shots. <laughs> That's PG-13. Yeah, yeah. Robbie Patrick's balls. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I gave it four out of five just because I, I really do enjoy it. I enjoy the slow burn. Um, I, te- I, I, I tend to, you know, enjoy science fiction also based plot lines. Uh, as long as they have some – as long as they can maintain some relevance to their own rules they establish in their world, I'm okay with it. I, I, as long as you can set rules, I'm fine. And this, this show has set rules for, for um, robot fighting with Batman. We saw it with um, – Captain Clown with the Jokers, Captain mm-hmm. Clown from uh, The Last Laugh. Uh, you know, there was something that's common, I think, uh, in kids' shows that are kind of violent is that they throw in androids so they could, like, rip off their heads or do these things that they can't do to, like, normal humans. And I love it, Steve. Oh, yeah. I love that. It's my favorite thing. So we're really going to get this next week because mm-hmm. Batman fights, like, one android. Then he fights five androids then he fights three androids like he has to kill them all mm-hmm. so they all die violent deaths that any human being dying would just be like hard r type of deaths and i love that they purposefully get away with it i mean you can tell like i'm sure there was like a note from like the executives that was like push it push it push it <laughs> you know go as far as you can yeah, you see that we you mentioned before about how the shows reminded you of like Samurai Jack and and that that's one of the yes. things that reminds me of Samurai Jack is like when they have these shots of uh, Samurai Jack just like uh, slicing through androids or, or robots and they just show the gears like flying apart that are supposed to kind of be like the guts. I just imagine you know that it's that they wanted it to be. So Steve, what are your boys? Uh, you know I'm split. I guess I feel like I I want to give it four, but like. Maybe 3.5. I have no idea. I'm going to go with four, I guess. I'll go. You convinced me. I, I, I like the, the whole the whole people being replaced by robots uh, theme that happens, you know, in, in science fiction and, and comic books and whatnot. These are kind of like the the Marvel version of the life model decoys or whatever they do. LMDs! Know? And, uh, so, I, I, you know, it's like the beginning of that, I guess, and so that that's kind of fun that, that they're, they're already introducing that, that they can create androids that look just like, uh, you know, their human counterpart. And they even interact, like Barbara, uh, I guess in the next, it's more in the next one, but like, 
it's it's this one too. Yeah, you know, they, he interacts with her, and she doesn't like immediately be like, "You're not my dad." He fucking knocks her teddy bear wubsy or whatever the fuck right on the ground, and she's just like right away. She's like, oh, "That's not daddy." Yeah, but sometimes you have a bad day. You know, you're like, "Yeah, fuck your your stupid stuffed animal." Bah, you know. I'm fine. Is that what he says the whole episode? Yeah, that's I'm, all fine. He says. I'm fine. And how can you argue with that? You know, someone's like, "What's wrong?" I'm fine. Leave me alone. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, you sound fine. I'll leave all my questioning alone now. Thank you. You haven't eaten anything. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. You're freezing cold still, and it's been hours since you've been next to the fireplace. I'm fine. Um, Steve, I do want to point out something I just kind of thought of right now while you were saying that about like science fiction, comic books, and like the idea of. You know, uh, androids, robots, and and, and re- humans being replaced. Um, this really is kind of also not only setting uh, the foundation for Barbara turning into Batgirl, but this is also really setting the foundation for a lot of Superman the animated series storylines. Because that's practically all he battles is either aliens or crazy superpowered villains or robots. Uh huh. And homages the Max Fleischer Supermans. So this is like. This is like kind of even that I, I would say it's, it's it's homaging that and and that is so swell, you know I love this. Yeah, pretty soon they you know, they're, they're I think they are they start developing the the Superman counterpart to Batman and that is totally you know they have the whole Star Labs and all that stuff and I, yeah. I don't think they use Hardak. It would be interesting to see if the it would have been fun I guess if uh... no Hardak comes back in Batman but he doesn't ever return after that. The next episode we get with Hardak. Is not just uh, Heart of Steel Part Two, but it's way down the line. It's like My Silicone Soul or some shit like oh, that. Oh, really? And it's yeah, and it's like Hardak released one last um, uh, android. I think it's a Bruce Wayne android, right? Mm. I'm not, I, I think it is. And 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 that android goes on a muck, like runs a whole muck. And I I don't know if Carl Rossum's in that video. If they got William Sanderson back for that, I really wonder if they did. I can't remember. I, I, I'm excited to see that one. Well, great bat stuff, Steve. This was a fucking awesome episode. Yes. Cool Boy Nation. Tune in next week. Same cool bat time. Same cool bat channel. Cool Boy Bat Nation. Be sure to let us bat know what you bat thought of Heart of Steel Part 1. Or what your favorite bat episode is by bat emailing us at batman and beyond coolboys at gmail.com new episodes come out every tuesday also please check out our other great cool boy central content with the cool boys podcast on itunes soundcloud google play and patreon be sure to like and subscribe to the cool boys also review us on itunes you can donate to us on patreon it only costs a buck and you will receive special access to content too hot to air you can find the Cool Boys on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash coolboyspodcast. Thank you for listening. Stay cool, cool boy, Bat Nation. Until next time, it's Biases from Bat Ballard. And that's Biases from Bat Steve. So cool. Batman. And beyond. Oh, yeah. Batman. And beyond. Uh-